You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. My wife and I, Melissa, lead it, and we believe God calls people to more than just preaching on a Sunday. We believe that God calls people into every sphere of culture into politics, into arts and entertainment, into sports and athletics, into media, into education, and into business and finance. And the high call of God is not just pulpit ministry and missionary work. The high call of God is whatever he's called you to. And so you're a part of a church that actually believes your Mondays are critical. Thank God our Sundays are potent and powerful and inspiring and resetting so that we can go and make an impact on a Monday, okay? And so we do that, and I want you to know we've been building this for a while, and we just came off one of the greatest weekends of our lives as a family. And on Sunday, we even had our United States Marine son home with us, and he came to church with us last Sunday. And I know, it was was like the things that God has done in the last week felt like it it was so crazy that my wife came home from church on Sunday after church and she collapsed on the kitchen floor, broke down in tears because of the goodness of God. Like so overwhelmed by all the things that she's been believing for, it felt like they just, they just, culminated in this one like week of our lives and and it was so powerful but at the same time at the same time I was reminded of the last time she collapsed four years ago she had just lost her brother she just lost her father to cancer and we'd been believing for him to get through that and so huge questions challenges our son Jacob had just gone off to the Marine Corps So she's feeling a big loss of one of her boys leaving the nest, a lot of grief. Um, We had just come back from a trip from Israel that was supposed to be wonderful. Have you ever had high hopes for something? And they didn't turn out. We went to Israel with some of our best friends, and we just felt, I don't know, so on the outside of things. And I, I couldn't understand it, but it was everything we didn't expect in all the wrong ways. And so... Uh, there's just so many like tumultuous things happening in our world, and especially Melissa's world, that she collapsed on the floor and had lost the the feeling in the pardon me the left side of her body and just trauma from loss and pain and all that we were going through and and you know I think of all the things in that season and, and this is interesting because. Sunday, it felt like it was all worth it. (laughs) All the craziness that we were in, it just made me think, man, I'm so glad we didn't quit when we wanted to quit. And I can't tell you how close we were to quitting. We were right, right, I'm telling you, like, we're look. you know you're getting ready to quit when you're looking for houses in other states. You know, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're just done with where you are because it's hard. Anybody, anybody been on the verge? And I remember this is why Rudy and Gladys are the dearest of friends to us is they don't just celebrate our highlight reels with us. But in that season, 
they stayed with us in our low light reels. The stuff you don't post. <laughs> you know what I mean? The stuff you don't share with the world. You share your pretty smiling daughter, but not your crying, screaming one. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, thank God for friends that are in your low lights. And, and that's what I love about you two the most is I don't know if we'd be here without friends like you two. And, and not just that season, but even in this last year, you guys have been the dearest of friends and the healthiest of friends. And can we give it up for Rudy? And can you give it up for good friends? that talk you into good decisions. Listen, you can always find some crazy friend that will agree with your craziness. You can always find somebody to agree with you. But to find a real friend, it says faithful are the wounds of a friend who call you on your... Oh, we were getting ready to sabotage our destiny because it was hard. I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It was excruciatingly hard. But God happened to be in the hard and wanted us to stay in the hard. I just didn't like the hard. Have you ever not liked the hard you're in? Have you ever, like, whatever you do, God, I need out of this. I need out of this job. I need out of this relationship. I need out of this fill in the blank. That's where we were. It was excruciating to the point that my wife collapsed. Well, I want to talk through the process of progress and pain this morning. And I know it's church and it's Sunday and we're supposed to leave pumped up, but I feel like if we aren't healthy enough to talk through growing pains, progress pains, and just life pains, what are we going to do when they come? How are we going to process difficulty when it comes and not let difficulty take me out? I don't know about you, I don't only want to serve God on a sunny day in San Diego when everything's going well. I would like it said of me that in the worst of times, I was found faithful. But I found in the worst of times, I'm very capable of turn and tail. I'm very capable of looking out for this guy. Um, in the tough days, I'm very capable of leaving all the things I value behind and just looking after me. We all are. All of us have the capacity in us to make the right decision or to go do something easy. Let me say this, though. The enemy of progress is easy. Let me say that again. The enemy of leveling up is easy. And if you and I are adverse to pain, we're, we're, or pardon me, averse to pain, we're averse to growth. So we all love the promise of God. You know, Rex Crane comes in here, or Tracy Armstrong, and prophesies millions and, and influence. It's like, I love that. But the, the pathway into promise is pain. And so once the pain hits, I start wondering, do I really want the promise? But the promise is inaccessible without the pain. And so we have to process out and, and understand the pain that comes when you're progressing. Who in here would prefer to not stay stuck where you are for the next decade? Okay. All right. Well, I want to tell a story um, because this is where it began for us, where 
where Melissa falling on her face in tears of joy started with the decision I made in this room, in this room four years ago. We had a conference here. It was an America's conference. Remember that, Jose? And we had this guy from Hillsong named Brian Houston. You may or may not know him. He's a moderately successful um, influencer in the world. And, uh, but it's interesting. Anybody who's got a global pat- platform has had to pay global pain. And his pain story, his pain story makes me feel like I've never lifted a weight in my life. But when you're under the weight of your own life, it feels pretty heavy. Sometimes you need to get around people carrying weight so that'll help you give perspective that, you know, you're really not carrying that much. And I felt like I was crumbling under the weight of the pressure that was on me and I wanted out. I wanted out so bad. Anything, anything to relieve the pressure. That's what a safety valve is. You, you get the pressure off. If you've ever been under so much pressure, you just, anything will do. Get me out of this. That's where I was. And then on back there, I was sitting in the back. Have you ever just sat in the back because you didn't want anybody to see you? you you're just, you just kind of doing your own thing. You, you're in the right place, but you don't even really want to be there. You're there because you need to be. That's where I was. I was in the back, and I remember him speaking on the power of pain and how pain was the very thing that catapulted him, him into promise. And when I came in, my prayer was this, get me out of this pain. When I left, my prayer was this, don't let me out until you're done with me. <laughs> All because my perspective shifted. It, it's not like this, this angel appeared to me and strengthened me and, and made everything better and wonderful. It's not like I got a call from the office saying, hey, that contract came in. It's way more profitable than you thought. No, nothing externally shifted. But my perspective on pain and how important it is and how paramount it is for me to get in to progress and promise shifted. And I started to look at pain through a different lens. I had a pain-averse lens. After that, I had a, I like pain lens. Not like a weird masochist, but like a, an under, somebody who understands progress and somebody who's aller, allergic to not progressing. Stuckness is worse than losing. Like, I just can't handle stuck. Anybody with me? Okay, so for us who don't want to be stuck, we're going to be a little more familiar with pain this morning, and we're going to look at it through a lens that it actually may be good for us. Is that okay? Can we go there? Okay, well, let's start here. I'm going to start with the Word of God, James 1, verse 2 and 4. This message is called The Process of Progress and Pain. Let's start. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Wow. Okay. For you know that your faith is tested and your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Okay, let's read another scripture. Proverbs 25, 4. Proverbs 25, 4. Remove the impurities from silver, and the sterling will be ready for the silversmith. Holy cow. One more. Psalm 12, 6. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. <laughs> 
So I want to talk real quick about process. Process generally involves heat and pressure designed to get dross out of your world. Dross is impurities. It's things that lower your value. Okay, there's a difference between 18 karat gold and 24 karat gold. You know what the difference is? 18 karat gold is 75% pure. 24 karat gold is 99% pure. Guess which one's more valuable? Guess which one had to be processed more? Guess which one spent more time in the fire? Guess which one had more time in the testing designed to get more impurities out of it so that it would become more valuable? You, your value is in you, but it needs to be unlocked through pain and through pressure and through adversity. So we're going to talk through that a little bit. The other one I love is that his promises are purified. So that means my wife, who collapsed at my feet, crying in sheer joy, is the greatest promise in my life. There's no, I'm telling you, Rudy, I love you, but you're just not my wife, okay? I know we got a man crush. I know you're no longer the Mexican cutie. You're El Padrino, the godfather. Okay, I know that. I get that. But no matter how wonderful you are, you don't pale in comparison to my wife. She's the promise of God. But it says that even the promises of God need to be purified seven times. That means as a promise of God, which you and I are, we have to go through fire and be purified to become the promise God has created us for. So here's my wife going through things, and I'm not saying God brought her way. God doesn't bring pain all the time. But what he does is he uses pain. He uses pain to get impurities out of our life. He uses adversity. He doesn't bring, he didn't bring my, uh, her father's death about. That wasn't his will. But sometimes things happen that we don't understand. It wasn't his will that somebody uh, was talking bad about us in the church and we were painted in a bad light. It wasn't his will that that happened, but he used that to get more offense out of our heart, to teach us to forgive, to teach us to serve through misunderstanding, to grow our ability to be bigger people. He used, I'm not saying that was, he, he. I feel like I'm, I'm on something. Who cares where the pain came from? Quit trying to assign that to the devil or to yourself or to God. It's not about where it came from. It's what you do with it. Get it into the hands of him who can work purification out of you and make you valuable. That's the process. That's the purpose of process. This all right? I feel life in here. It's this Eastlake flow. You know what I like about Eastlake? You don't have to do these trite little friendly Welcome to the kingdom of God messages. You can talk about stuff like pain. <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I want to talk about it. Like, like, we're all going through it. Can't we just talk about it? Can't we just talk about stuff that's hard and real so that I can maybe get through it and get into a better place? Can't can we? Okay. So the, the P that's in the word pain is that progress has a price tag. Progress has a price tag. Okay? So the price tag of prog progress 
is pain. It's passion. Do you know the definition of passion? It's not like an excitable guy kicking and screaming and shouting and trying to get you to. Passion, the definition of passion is the price you're willing to pay for something. That's the definition of passion is how much value have you put on something to the point that you'll pay any price to accomplish it. That's the definition of passion. That's why when the the week before Jesus went to the cross, you know what they called it? Passion week. In other words, it's the week he determined to pay the highest price for you and me. It wasn't the week he went around trying to charge everybody up. It's the week he determined that he was willing to do whatever it took. That's passion. That's progress's price tag. You cannot get into progress without being willing to pay a price for it. And you and I know that what the price is. we got to determine that. But sometimes the price feels higher than the outcome, and that's when we need friends like Rudy to say, no, 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 it's worth the price. 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 I know it hurts. I know it's frustrating. I know it's disappointing. I know you feel misunderstood. I know you feel like you're on the outside. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Get through it. Get through it. Get through it. Get through it. Don't quit. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, yeah, that's valid pain. Yeah, that is the devil. Sure, but don't stop. Don't let this take you out. I know it's the hardest thing you ever went through. Don't let it take you out. That's what Rudy talked to me. That's, I, I'm just basically sharing with you what Rudy shared with me when I was in my pain. So if you don't like it, blame it on Rudy. But I'm going to tell you this. His advice got us into the promise. If his advice was, yeah, it's probably a good idea for you to quit. You can, you can scale back in your giving. You can scale back in your serving. You are misunderstood. You should take a break. Maybe that will teach him a lesson. It's funny how we think. It's funny how we think. We validate our pain and our decisions I'm telling us, we all need a Rudy. The price tag of progress is pain, it's passion, it's patience, it's perseverance, it's prayer. I can't tell you how many times, Tuesday morning prayer, I'm, I'm at my wit's end, I need wisdom, don't even want to be there, maybe. Let's just be real, like, I don't like getting up at 4.30 sometimes, you know? But in that moment, everything shifts. It's a price tag. There's a price tag to progress. If you want to continue to do the same things you've always done and you expect a different result, that's called insanity. A different result or a result called progress requires a price tag. Let's be a campus that pays. Listen, listen. Do you really want it cheap anyway? Do you, are you entitled? To promises? Okay, okay, let's keep moving. It's okay. I have another message I could bring that's like easier and friendly. And <laughs> Mike and Katie are gone. Okay, thank you. I received that. The next point is, is uh, the A is the adversity quotient. And I want you to know and I want us to know that your AQ, your adversity quotient, is far more important than your IQ, your intelligence quotient. You can grow your AQ. The only way, though, to grow your AQ is through adversity. Okay? There's three kinds of people in the world. There's quitters, campers, and climbers. <laughs> when the going gets tough, quitters 
They, no, they quit. Quitters quit. Oh, they get going. Yeah. In fact, go. We don't need quitters. When the going gets tough, campers plateau. Oh, man. I've come a long way, man. I finally, I finally paid for a house. I finally got a house mortgage. I, I ain't, I ain't going to take no more risks. I'm done growing. Yet it's an upward call. How do you, who says you get a choice in the matter of growth? Who's on the other side of your next level? Are, is it now about you? So the kingdom of God has become about you. No, it's not about you. It's about him and his reputation, and it's about the people you and I are called to reach. And if I plateau, that means I've made it about me again. And then there's climbers. When the going gets tough, they find a way up. Seven times they fell down. That's the picture in Proverbs, if you know what I mean. It's a righteous man tries to get up seven different ways, and he f- but he keeps going. He relentlessly looks for the way up. That's us. That's the East Lake campus. That's you. That's your testimony. Okay. Um, we have a lot of adversity stories. I mean, I could share hundreds of them. But my favorite one has, has to do with our current 14-year-old son who's really playing at a high level of soccer. That's one of the things I love about sports is it's a battleground that will test you in every way. And so uh, right now he's really, really playing well. But three years ago, this was when the adversity was super legit. We, he'd made this development academy team in San Diego and uh, barely. And... Um, and it was a Sunday right before church, and it was a tournament. And it was the semifinal before the final. And uh, it was probably the worst game he's ever played. He's only 11. When you're 11, you're not playing because you want to be somebody great. You're playing because you love the game. Okay, you're just playing for fun. And uh, unless you're a parent, <laughs> you know. And anyway, I'll just back out of that. But... Uh, he has the worst game of his life, and the coaches are all over him. Like, things you shouldn't say to an 11-year-old. Things you shouldn't say. Like, and I mean, it was ferocious and relentless for an entire half. And so Josiah comes over, and he's got these giant crocodile tears running down his face. And he's only been on the team for two months, you know. So he said, I don't think I'm good enough to be on this team. And I'd been watching him, and I kind of agreed with him. <laughs> it was a pretty bad half. Come on, anybody have a bad day? <laughs> a day you didn't bring it to the, to the table? <laughs> a day you deserved to be cut? <laughs> well, that was that. We have a philosophy in our home. Our philosophy is this, your best is enough, but your best is required. So I asked Josiah, First, I didn't tell him what I was thinking. I told him, no, you got this. Can you give me your best for another half? That's, our, that's all we ask is you got one more half to go back out there. So, you know, and I was talking to myself too because it's hard to watch your kid fail. Super hard. Um, he goes out and he gives his best for the next half and guess what? Plays worse. Oh, yeah. Hey. Can we talk about it? 
I'm tired of these trite little messages where, you know, I went to church and I prayed and I got up and, and, and everything just, the sun came out. That's not real. And it's not even good if it works out that way sometimes. It was horrible. It was awful. We rode to church. Thank God for church on a Sunday in between tournament games. Um, we didn't say a word the whole way. I, I didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to say. So we show up at church, and the worship's amazing, but I ain't singing. I'm just a statue processing pain in life and trying to figure out if I'm a crappy dad. <laughs> because parenting is you're right in the middle of, like, I'm wise and I'm insane. And I don't know which one I am. But it looked like I was insane trying to vicariously live my dream through my son. That's what it felt like. Because why would any father subject their child to that much pain and ridicule unless they had some other agenda inside? So I, I don't know. I don't know. Have you, ever been in, have you ever been in pain where you don't even know, like, if you're, make, if you're making the right, you're confused. That's how it felt. So Melissa's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I don't know. Why aren't you worshiping? I, I, I can't fake it. Have you ever even been in church and you're, like, not in it? You're in the right place, but you're just, you're somewhere else. Man. That's where I was that Sunday. I don't remember who preached. I don't remember anything. I just remember afterwards, I had a friend named Jack Hartman that I trusted, who knows me, who knows in my heart of hearts, I don't want to be that dad. I don't want it to be about me, living my dreams through my kids. I have potential to be that dad, but I don't want to be. So I know Jack. Jack knows Josiah. So it's important that you have altars. Do you know what the altar of God is for and why we have prayer teams and why we're going to have prayer teams tonight? It says the, approach the altar of grace to find help in your time of need. I, I was a needy father. Like, like I, I was in between. I didn't know what to do. And I needed wisdom. But thank God it wasn't just some random person. It was a person I knew. Jack knows me. I come up to pray, and God speaks to him so clearly. He says, Colin, I feel like, uh, number one, I feel like they're coming down hard on Josiah because they, they see something in him. Don't pull him out of that environment. I, don't, I, don't, I, think, you'd be, I think you'd be pulling him out of the, an environment that's good for him prematurely. Are you tracking with me? And this, is, this is what my friend, nice friend, like another Rudy. What kind of, I need some new friends, you know. I, want, I just wanted somebody to say, you know, pack up and go play in the rec league where you can score like seven goals and everybody loves you, but you don't grow. Okay, okay. That's what I wanted. But I had another friend named Jack. He's like, now nah, I feel like God's, I feel like he's in the right environment. It's just hard. You're going to get through this. So that gave me enough strength to go back to the second game, to the final. Guess what happened in the final? No, he didn't score a hat trick. They didn't carry him off the field on their shoulders. He laid another egg. Had another horrible game. Woeful. Like, awful. But guess what happened? Coach Richard comes up to me. He says word for word what Jack said to me at the altar. He's like, I know we were really hard on your son today. I know it felt like probably to you that we were singling him out. 
just want you to know we're only hard on him because we see gold in him. We're not hard on all the players like we are on Josiah. We're hard on him because we believe there's something in him. That was better than a hat trick for me. Because it showed me that God was with me in my, I, I, I didn't care about the outcome. I cared that as a dad, I was, I was set, I had my son in the right spot. Are you tracking with me? And so I think sometimes like our father God, who's a far better father than me, sometimes keeps us in situations that appear to be painful and difficult and downright abusive. And he won't let us out sometimes because he sees gold in us. And so he wants to use the adversity and the pain of the situation you're in to pull something out of you that's bigger than what, you know, yeah, you might be pure, you might have an 18 carat level in you, but he needs the adversity and the pain to purify your levels of value so now you, you can grow into a 24 karat level human and he uses pain and adversity to accomplish those kind of things in us. You tracking? Now I'm not saying some of the, the choice language they used to my 11 year old son were appropriate. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying every situation is appropriate to stay in. I'm not saying that in any means. That's why you need wisdom, that's why you need church, that's why you need friends. Okay, but some pain is designed for you to stay in. Some leadership that's imperfect is designed for you to stay in. Listen, four years ago when I wanted out of here, part of the issue had to do with leadership in my life. Christian leadership, pastors that didn't see me the way they should see me, misinterpreted my heart and my motives. That's not fair. Oh, I'll stay in a job for 30 years with some grumpy old boss, but as soon as the pastor does something wrong, I'm, I'm out of here. Oh, my God. And then you wonder why we're not growing. Now, I'm not saying pastors have an excuse to be bad leaders. No way. But do you need a perfect leader to grow in? Can they have a bad day? Can they have a child that's up all night? And, and they didn't sleep, and now they're a little short with their answer. I guess what I'm saying is, can imperfect circumstances be in your world, and you stay in them and hand them to God so he can work good out of them? I'm going to reiterate this. Imperfect circumstances, I'm not saying came from God. I'm not saying it was God's will that Coach Richard dropped some F-bombs on my 11-year-old son. I don't think that's appropriate. But what I'm saying is giving that situation to God and inviting God into that situation allowed God to work through imperfect situations to develop perfection in my son. Anybody with me? Okay. I'm so excited I'm going to get to this other story. Okay. Adversity is good, but you need to grow your AQ. Who cares how smart you are? Be resilient. Keep getting up. And, you know, maybe you're here and you just feel like all you need to do, you don't need to get up seven times. You need to get up the next time. All you need is to just get up again. For my son Josiah, it was another half. And then after the half, it was another game. 
He didn't ask for the whole season. And, and I'll tell you, you have a season ahead of you that's going to require you getting up. All you got to do is get up for the next day. As thy day goes, show, so shall your strength be. God only gives strength for the day at hand. Don't get overwhelmed by the size of the mountain. You, 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 you surrender to the grace for the day. The day. Okay. All right. The I, inviting God into pain's process. Romans 8, 28, and we know God causes everything to work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, I rarely hear people use this scripture unless it's just right after something bad happened. You, you know what I mean? It's like, but, but what it is, is a surrendered life to God and his purposes, it actually allows some of the worst things in your world to become the most valuable things in your, if you invite him in. Now listen, if you wanna go on your own and try to figure this out, you watch how much you spiral, or plateau, or stop, or quit, or remove yourself from the opportunity for progress, because on your own, you may not have what it takes. But if you invite him in, you watch, he will begin to work extraordinary things out of impossible, difficult, painful, frustrating, disappointing situations. I wanna share this story and I'm gonna show a video of it too. One of the things that we've been facing um, is this last year, our beautiful 11-year-old daughter was get, having all kinds of issues at school. Um, and they approached us, they said, we think you need to do some testing with her. We think, you know, there's some things that are off. And, and, uh, and so sure enough, we went in to do some testing and she tested on the autism scale. Real, pretty low, she's high functioning, but it was a big blow like for us as a family. This is all in the last, not, not because we don't love her or we love her less. It, it's, just, it's just real life and it's, disapp it's not what you thought. And, and you're processing and you're, you're trying to get through like all the, all the things you expected from your one and only daughter all, are different than you expected. And you're trying to handle it the best way you can. And, you, and so what we had to do is we, we didn't understand it. It didn't make sense. It wasn't what we thought. So we started inviting God into, into, into it and said, God, we need help. We need help. help. We need help. We need, we need friends. We need wisdom. We need the right schooling. Thank God for Awaken Academy that has been a revelation to have her in the right school setting. Seriously. But one of the things that she had said since she was about eight is, I don't feel God. And if you've ever been around somebody who's high-functioning, kind of Asperger's, they're so black and white. They're ruthlessly honest. They will not tell you what you want to tell. They won't go with the flow because it's the right thing to do. They will tell you exactly what they're feeling. And so she wasn't feeling the Holy Spirit at all. And we're like, God, I mean, what can you do as a parent? I mean, I'm a great parent, but I don't have the ability. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And we, we're into authenticity anyway. I don't want her to just go through the motions. I want it to be real. So it, it, put, it put a demand on my faith to go after God to say, unless you show up, I, I, this is a unique case. One of the reasons why Melissa collapsed in joy on Sunday is I want you to show this video of our daughter Bethany at church on Wednesday, last, just two Wednesdays ago. Can we show that video? Yes. 
and they would see it one way, but you look at something and you see it all another way. And it's almost like like you have um, ideas to do something the best way or solutions. And that God is going to begin to use that um, to bless people, that, to help them and to minister to them in really powerful and unique ways. And you're going to see that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to move in That's our lives. daughter right there. And you've seen him move in other people's lives before, but you're going to see him begin to move in your life. And he's got a call for Bethany. And you are so loved by your Heavenly Father. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just declare release. In the name of Jesus, I release your spirit. Yep. Prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Yep. Just let it go. Just let it go. Gift of prophecy. Let it go. It's okay. Let it go. The gift, the gift of prophecy right now. I release in the name of Jesus. I, I thank you for creative dreams, creative ideas, creative visions. In the name of Jesus, uh, the gift of creativity just unleashed all over her life. That she's going to influence the world in creative realms and in creative spheres. And that downloads are going to come straight from heaven into Bethany and through Bethany. And she's going to impact the world creatively in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, seriously. Okay. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Yeah, hear me. Um, this is a daughter that doesn't even like church. Like, because she's... She's so overwhelmed by people and high crowds and noises that she's, it's, it's, it's been a, a really unique scenario for us. And, um, but thank God for junior high ministry. Thank God for Deshaun and for the teams here that are looking after our, all our kids have unique stuff. Okay. Um, but for us, we, we were, we didn't have, we didn't have an answer. Like, have you ever been in situations where you you don't have an answer like you need God to show up for for that to happen and our daughter jumped in the car after church she's usually like pulling teeth to get anything out of her and she's like dad something happened at church today I felt God and then I fell asleep <laughs> I mean she's just so honest she doesn't fake stuff. Like, that's why the Holy Spirit, it had to be God to do that. She would never do that. She doesn't go through the motions. Gosh, I wish she would sometimes. And, um, and she said, I had two dreams of a monkey. I, I mean, I just love God that he, he would just speak and be so personal and, and so, like, capable of penetrating situations that were truly impossible. Where's you? Where are you at in your impossibilities? Where are you? Where where do you need to invite him in to your disappointment, to your pain, to help you be a better fill in the fill in the blank? We're gonna close with the the end in pain. We doing all right? Feel God here. Feel a little bit of hope. Nothing's hopeless. God's capable. He wants to help. We're going to invite him in in a minute. But the key is the end. And remember Jesus in the garden? He was dealing with a little bit of pain. Even Jesus didn't like pain. Remember? He's like, this cup, Father, it's like, it's more than I thought, heavier than I thought. I don't want it. If, if any way possible, this pain could could go there's another way nevertheless and, and I want us to understand the power
power in the nevertheless. That means I really don't, I'm not saying that we need to become lovers of pain and discomfort and furnace and anvils and, and, and heatings and beatings. I'm not saying that we'll ever want that. But the powerful prayer is when you and I, like Jesus, say, God, I sense you in this. Your promise is here. The pathway is pain. I don't like pain, nevertheless. I'll surrender to the process because I love you and I love the people that are on the other side of my surrender. Can I share one last quick story? I shared with you how my wife is the greatest promise in my life. But when I was a brand new Christian, I became a Christian at 23 years old in the shores of Hawaii. And I moved back to Seattle, Washington. And I don't know if you know this, but sometimes you become a Christian, but you still have stuff from your past that's still in your world. Sometimes it's habits, sometimes it's relationships. In this case, it was a girl named Betsy. And Betsy was my first love. Like, she was the first girl I ever like had the pitter-patters over. You know, she was like the real deal for me. And and but when I became a Christian, my my focus and my purpose got reoriented towards God and she just was on a different pathway she's an amazing girl but it just it, it, it and I I wasn't I didn't want to let it go because she was I don't know and I remember driving up I-5 if anybody knows Seattle Washington right by SeaTac there's like South Center over there I remember I remember where I was I remember the car I was in and I remember it was the first time the Holy Spirit asked me to give something up that was valuable to me. And listen, I'd, he'd asked me to give up all kinds of stuff that was destroying me. That's pretty easy. But when he asks you to give up something that looks like it's good, this, she wasn't a bad person. She was beautiful, amazing, talented. But for God's destiny for my life, I couldn't access it through that. And he's like, I know you don't understand all this but I need you to trust me and I need your nevertheless. What if I would have said, you know, God, I don't like pain. I don't like uncertainty. I don't like change. I don't like the insecurity that comes from being single. Because you know what happens when you break up with somebody in, you know, in your 30s or your 20s, you think God's called you to be single. You just do. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, I think I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. I'm probably the guy who's called to be the eunuch. I still think there's a eunuch out there in the kingdom. I'm probably him. And so sometimes, like, that surrender is like, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. Because of the uncertainty, I have to, I'm putting something very valuable to me in the hands of God. And I'm uncertain if I can trust him with it. Let me tell you something. The promise of a Melissa is only on the other side of a surrender. And God did have a lot he wanted to promise, but I had to have another nevertheless. Amen. Okay. All right, we're done here, but I'm going to pray for a couple people. And we're going to close this down. And we're going to do two simple things. The first thing we're going to do, uh, you can close your eyes real quick. I just want you to kind of quiet your heart. We're only going to be here a couple minutes. 
we're going to invite God into this season we're in, okay? But there are some people here who've never invited God into your heart. You've checked some religious boxes and you're familiar with him, but you haven't invited him into your heart to be your savior, your personal source of life, purpose. And that invitation is out to you. You need him. Listen, none of this will make sense and none of this can work out for your good unless you invite in the the engineer of life, the the one who created you and loves you and purposed you and holds the universe together, wants to hold your life together, but you're trying to do this life without him, and it won't work. It won't work. And if you're here and you know you need Jesus in your life, in your heart, I need you to just lift your hand. If you know that's you, If you know that's you, yes, I see you, young lady. He's got gorgeous plans for you, big plans, big, big plans. Who else? Yeah, I see you back there. God sees you too. God sees you. Yep, I see you. Two hands over here. I love it when somebody has both hands in the air. That's like, oh my, here I am. There's a few, yep see you. Yep. Well, there's a lot of us, but there's more. There's a few more of us. Listen, I'm going to push on this a little. I feel, I feel an invitation where God wants to be in your heart. He wants to be your personal God, not the savior of the world. He wants to be the savior of you. He wants to be the savior of you, you. Who else? I feel like there's two or three more. Yep. I see one. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Another beautiful young lady. Yes, yes. Beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. One more. I know there's at least one more. Yep, okay. Oh, such a touch of God in here. Let's pray as a family. Listen, you you personally made this decision, but we as a family make this decision with you. Let's repeat after me as a family. Father God, I realize You didn't want to go to the cross, but you went anyway because you love me and you're for me. And you knew the only way into my heart was through the cross. I believe in you. I receive you as the Son of God, as the Savior of the world, and as my personal savior. Thanks for loving me in spite of me. Come into my heart, rebuild me, revive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand up on our feet and I'm gonna pray for the rest of us here. We're gonna close this down. How's everybody doing? If you're here and you're processing some things that are maybe a little harder than you'd like and, and you feel the grace of God for your, your world right now and you could use God's help, God's help, could you put your hand up? I want to see who we're praying for. You relate to this. You resonate with this. Wow, there's more than one or two of us. Thank God that God didn't waste all my pain. He's, 
He's actually used it to bring life. I want you to know that God is a master of working with your pain. And what I want you to do, your circumstance right now, we're going to invite him into it. It might be your daughter who you need impossible things figured out. And you have no answer. It might be your son. You're right in the middle of, you might be your business. It might be your marriage. It might be a, a, a relational thing that you know it's time to go this way or that. I, it doesn't matter. We're inviting God into your personal circumstance to give you perspective, wisdom, friends. Come on. Repeat after me. Father God, I am 100% convinced you love me. You're for me. You want to help me. You want to show up in my life now. You want to strengthen me. You want to help me. You want to develop me. I allow you to continue to process me. Remove the dross from my heart. Bring the value that you put in me out of me. Develop it in me. I invite you in to my pain, to my disappointment, to my offense, to my rejection, to my injuries. I invite you in. Come and heal. I need your wisdom. Somebody in here, I feel like you need friends. You, you need a good friend. You, you, need, a, you need a better friend. You, if that's you, I just need to see your hand. You need, you need another level of friend. You need a Rudy, a Gladys. You need somebody who's, yeah, okay. Those are, I see it. There's a lot of us. Why don't you put your hand on the person next to you? We're just going to finish right here. Awaken is a church about community. We are. We're a church about community. That means we don't believe in doing life together. Or <laughs> we don't believe doing life alone. One of the things that's happened in the last 18 months is a lot of us have been isolated. But we're, we're, we're curing that this morning. Repeat after me. Father God, I need the friends you've intended for my life. Bring me in to new relationships. Relationships that bring me up. Bring me in to relationships where I help people level up. I need community. Your promise is that you put the lonely in families. I need a family. I'm trusting you every area of my life in Jesus name and we all said amen 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 God bless you thanks for listening to find out more about our locations team and what we do here at Awakened Church go to awakenedchurch.com